Headnoise official would like to thank Admino. Admino is a cloud-based platform created by the Grow2 company and our producer, Mark Webb. It is the smartest and easiest way to deliver your business's inductions, staff training, and policies and procedures. Create a smart and safe culture within your business with Admino. Check out www.admino.com. That's A-D-M-I-N-O-H, Admino. Head Noise Official is a raw, passionate, and sometimes emotional conversation around life's challenges, not limited to, but including mental health, speaking up, getting help, safety in numbers, and empowering each other to do better. Our mission is to empower all individuals from all walks of life to speak up and evolve through conversation. We all bleed red and often share similar struggles. Our vision is to create and grow conversations around difficult subjects hoping to empower as many individuals as possible to seek help when they need it. We're here to help people, to inspire underprivileged youth of today and to strive for success and break cycles. If I can do it, anyone can. And I'm your host, Ben Jobson. Welcome to another episode of Head Noise Official, sitting down this afternoon with Chris Walker, just back from his, um, well, Massive journey from Cairns down to the Gold Coast by foot, 71 days. Chris, how are you? Yeah, boys. Thanks very much for having me. Can't believe I'm sitting next to opposite Brett and Josh Morris. <laughs> good. He didn't tell me that Brett and Josh Morris. I knew that, I knew that Brett had retired, but sitting here doing the podcast now with him has been good. Stitched up straight away. <laughs> no, straight into no, it. No, no. The, the illegitimate uh, lunchtime, I think, <laughs> I might think I'm what they Third Morris, Mate, so let's just touch on your walk briefly. Obviously, uh, fun my challenge. You've had a you've had a massive journey from up there. Seventy one days on foot. How how are your feet? Yeah, they weren't too bad. The, probably the first, I don't, I'd have to say maybe week to two weeks. Um, you know, with with all the blisters and the chafe, and you know, that's those sort of um, areas that I knew that I'd, I'd I'd struggle with, which you know, which you get from doing a, a challenge that I've just undertaken, but. It's amazing what what happens with your with your mindset. You know, it, it's amazing what happens when you when you put your mind to something. And you know, we've, I've heard it as a kid when I when I grew up. Once you put your mind to something and you want to do it, you can do it. And yeah, you know, the the more the the mindset I had to go in with the chafe and and obviously the blisters and and whatnot was yep, they're going to happen. Take it on board. Try and block it out as best you can. And it's amazing after you know four or five kilometers into I was you know did thirty k's a day into. Yeah, the first five k's was was torture, um, but then it's amazing your body just clicks into that that mindset. You got a job to do. You can't complain about things that aren't going to kill you. Mm. Um, there were certainly a lot of people driving past me that I thought that were going to kill me because yeah. they couldn't drive. But um, yeah, that was yeah. one of that was one of the, the obstacles that I had to that I had to face with what I was doing. And you know, there were no footpaths that you could go from Cairns to Gold Coast. There's nothing like that. You had to stick to the Bruce Highway for you know ninety percent of the trip. So. Um, yeah, but the blisters and the feet have, have recovered, and yeah, they were they were, they were pretty good. And the the shoes and the socks that I did wear were yeah, were pretty handy as well. So um, once you got over that, the the walk became a mental. Yeah. And you you had a what escort vehicle front and back? Was that sort of how you were running? Yeah. Yeah, we were lucky lucky enough. We were I, I knew the, the boys at Q Ford. I bought a um I bought a, a Ford Ranger off them you know six or seven years ago and kept that relationship with those guys. Told them what I was doing. Funnily enough, the guy that I spoke to who had a share in the in the company back then was his name was Wayne Bennett. He's a lovely <laughs> bloke. He he, uh, he was 
a sponsor at the at the um, Ipswich Jets. So I, I spoke to him one day, and he said, "Well, listen, what do you whatever you need, mm. um, you know, we'll try and accommodate." So they were they were very good. I, you know, big rap to to Q Ford and Carmichael Ford up at Townsville. They supplied uh, three Ford Rangers for for me and my crew. So yeah. um, I had Antony, a bloke from um, um, Port Douglas, come down, and he drove the front car from. Town from Cairns to Townsville, and then he had to go back to work. So then my dad came in, and he he, he drove the the whole way with Nate Miles' dad, yeah. um, big Milo, big Tony Miles. Uh, he drove the second car, and then uh, we had a guy Will Van Hoss. He drove the back car, and he was next um, trucky. So he had the responsibility of of being on the two way and yeah. and just letting the clearing letting the, the way, yeah, clearing the way, and, and you know like. You talk about teams and you talk about how valuable team members are. Mm. They all had their own roles. They all had their responsibilities. And then Adam Varaktaris, he was our project manager, and he came out and joined for, for a lot of the walk when I needed him. And, you know, mm. he was doing 10, 10, 10 Ks a day. A couple, a couple of times he pushed out the 30 Ks. And I had the privilege of, you know, when it was a little bit quieter during those regional areas, I, I got Dad to come out and he walked a couple of 30 K stints with me too. So having yeah, those awesome. guys out there and then obviously along the way, you know, people come in and join. But... Um, yeah, the, the importance of team, and we all know yeah. what how important all team members were. And I'm so grateful that I had a, had a team the way that I did, and yeah, they were very supportive. And um, yeah, it was good. So you probably, you, I mean, you speak about your old man. You probably their memories that you're gonna you'll never forget. You're gonna remember remember Dad when we were on this part of the highway and this happened, or oh, remember, remember when you and Milo were carrying on, and yeah, that you'll carry that with you forever. Oh, that, yeah, they'll get, they'll go to the grave with me. Um, yeah, hopefully they get hit by a truck when I'm walking across the road to get the kids from school. But yeah, you know, those, those sort of memories, you know, to to share the road with those people were, were amazing. But to have my father, who you know, he's a tough old bastard. He's from Dolby. He yeah. comes from a really, um, you know, big family and tough family. That, and I know that you know for the whole whole time he walked with me, there was blisters, there were blood blisters. He just had a knee re- replacement. So yeah. um, I remember. <laughs> I remember we were coming through, um, we we're coming through Rockhampton, and and my sciatic nerve nerve on my right side had been playing up for about three weeks. Like it was torture, yeah. and every step that I took, it felt like I, someone was putting a dagger in me, Ouch. in my lower back and, and into my hamstring. And I'm probably going to swear, so if you um, <laughs> feel free, you know, mate. So <laughs> free. Um, I, I I'd been complaining, and Dad goes, "I'm going to walk with you," because he knows, and he goes, "I know you're struggling." He said, "But I'm going to walk with you and keep you company. I'm going to try and push out 30 k's." Yeah. And he just had a knee replacement, so he was hurting. But for the first eight Ks, I was complaining about my sciatic nerve. And Dad got to a point where I wasn't complaining all the time, but I was mentioning it. And he looked at me and said, Chris, shut the fuck up. He said, I know you're hurting. I don't want to hear about it. I've got a job to do. He said, I'm hurting everywhere. Yeah. So just, you know, just block it out. And it was amazing. It was, it was so cool that he said it to me at the time because – when you're on a, on a mission like that, you don't want to be negative. No. Like you don't want to have any negative thoughts mm. into your brain. You don't want to have, be around negative people. Mm. And unfortunately, in this climate of COVID, everyone's a little bit negative, but coming through those uh, regions, which we'll touch on a little bit later. Mm. Um, but I just remember thinking to myself, you know what, Dad's not out here to hear me complain, mm. hear me complain about something that he's probably hurting 10 times as worse as what I am. He's 65, 66 years of age. And... Yeah, he's it's grateful. I'm grateful. I should be grateful than him being here. And it was amazing because it must have clicked something in my head that I went, you know what? He doesn't want to hear that. Toughen up. Yeah. I'm you know, okay. I'm okay. We're we're out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. The air's fresh. The blues, the sky's blue, the grass is green. 
and the landscape was amazing. So then I focused on that. Like I focused on the fact that, you know what, it could be a lot worse. I could mm. be laying in a bed with cancer. I could be, you know, having suicidal thoughts. Mm. And it's amazing your mindset. You get, you come back to that that mindset thing, and you, you hear it from SAS guys, and you hear it from guys who have, you know, been in tough situations. They just find a way. And it, you know, I'm not saying that I was in a battlefield, but yeah. you know, I had to block it out, and I had to not complain because I was with a man that I respect. And you know, for him to say that to me, it wasn't disrespectful yeah. what he said to me, but yeah. I just remember going, you know what? I'm out in the open. Yeah. I'm enjoying something that no one ever ever gets to do, and I'm doing it with a bloke that I love. Yeah. So perspective, isn't it? Yeah. It's perspective. perspective it yeah. Is, yeah, definitely. You're talking two things there when I dive into, like the mindset and, and you know, you're setting yourself something and you just keep working your way through because you know what the end common goal is, but then you also touch on your dad and your dad, you know, um I, I guess you know, speaking into the moment that you're at, is that where you learnt that mindset or did you learn that mindset through yeah, you're playing your rugby oh. league and everything like that, your pre seasons and your training, or is it do you think it's more of a a family uh, type of mindset that you guys had, or well, I, well, I know, I know, I know that it was a first of all, first and foremost, it was a family mindset because Dad was, he wasn't tough on us, but you know, we, yeah, you know, we didn't have things handed to us when we were young. All of us boys were, you know, we had to work for it, yeah. and that was one thing that Mum and Dad instilled us when we were kids. You got to work for work ethic. You got yeah. to work for something, and then. On, on to, you know, the mental toughness side of things as well. Even training with the Broncos, we used to do SAS camps out at Canungra. I've done it with Melbourne. I did it with um, Parramatta where they plonk us out at Canungra. We all know, what, people who don't know where Canungra is, it's very hilly and they've got an army barracks out there that specialise in, you know, that SAS, tra- SAS that training. training and, yeah. and um, I remember Wayne used to take us out there when I was a young kid, you know, 19, 20 year old coming into first grade, training with the top squad. Yeah. And I remember we went out and did a training camp with the SAS guys out there for four days where we didn't sleep. It was all mental toughness. It was all, and I, I, I did go back into that when I was, you know, cause waking up, the hardest part of my day was the first two minutes I opened my eyes. And that was, some days it was very hard, but it, but it only took me two minutes. I'd lay there, alarm would go off or I'd wake up before the alarm and I'd go, righto, I'm at day seven. Like I never, never looked at it as right. Week one. Oh, it's Monday or it's Tuesday. It's Wednesday. It was always right. It's day day six. It's day twelve. It's day eighteen. It's day twenty. It's day thirty. Day forty five. Day fifty five. Day sixty five. And I'm nearly home. So that's where that's where my mindset went. Like I didn't. And I'd always go right over on the day twenty. I've got. 41 days to go. So there's no use complaining about doing the walk or no, th- um, 51 days to go. Yeah. There's no use complaining about the walk because no one else is going to do it. Yeah. And I've put it out there that people are following me and people are getting a lot of inspiration out of what I was doing. So yeah. for two minutes, I'd wake up and I'd go right over on the Clairview, which is in between um, uh, Mackay and Rocky. You know, I just woke up, first two minutes, familiar, familiarise myself with where I was and then knew I had a job to do. Yeah. And then, you know, the night before, I'd tell the team, right, I were up at, they'd look at me and go, right, what time are we up, boy? What time are we up, Chris? And I'd go, right, tomorrow, you know, we're only going to go 30 k's down the road. So I'll have a bit of a sleep in, wake up at 5 30, be on the road at 6, take a half an hour to where we finished the day before. Mm. And then, yeah, we'll start yeah, at 6 30. Yeah. And, and it was amazing, too, because the boys getting back to the team, yeah. you'd, you'd wake up. And the boys would be ready to go. Like, really? I'd wake up, you know, the alarm would go off at five thirty, yeah. and I'd give the boys a half an hour to be in the car. And I can guarantee you, if we woke up at five thirty and I said, "Right, boys, we're on the road at six, 
would be on the road at six. Yeah. And there were some times where oh, I had to sleep in and the boys were ready to go and we were two hours later or an hour later, but we still got the job done. So, yeah. Um, yeah all yeah, working we, towards a common goal. All working to, towards a common goal. And getting back to your question, it was, it was yeah, there's two things. You, you grow up with that mindset that you've got a job to do. And then you grow up with, you know, you obviously being in the rugby league circles where you're, you know, pre-season training, there's not many people that can get through those pre-season training. I'm not the average man that can get, who's a little bit mentally weak can get mm. through those training sessions because our pre-seasons in every team that I played, and I played in a few, um, were brutal. They were really tough. And they were, they were all about getting that mindset right because once you're in the battle of a game of footy, um, you don't want to let your teammate down. And, mm. you know, you want to look across to your teammate and they look at you and go, righto, I'm playing with walks. Yeah, he's got my back, and that's what we had. You know, the whole seventy-one days that we're on the road. Mm. They say your um, and Trump says it a lot. Is your mind is your your strongest and weakest muscle. You've got to exercise it as well, haven't yeah. you? And that's that what... was, and I was, I was at the point too where I've been out of the game for ten years, mm. so I hadn't had that push. Like I was out of businesses, and that was that was cool. But especially over the last three years, I'd, I'd felt myself get back into that mental, like a little bit weak with my. Yeah, with my mentality. So this seventy-one days has really gone right. Okay, I can push myself. I know that I can do it. Yeah, what's next? And has it had an internal change for you, like Massively. your mindset right now? Massively, like, yeah. Huge. From, from from the the day before you started to you sitting here right now, do you? Huge. My missus, I got home and my missus said I'm almost like a different person. Really, entirely different person. And I know that I am. Like even having even having Nate Miles now, mate. I can't wrap Nate Miles enough. He is possibly one of the nicest and best blokes and most solid guys I've ever met. And I've known him for a very long time and I'd probably die for him, to be honest with you. So, um, you know, to have him walk with me the, for the first 12 days from Cairns to Townsville was uh, – he, he set the tone for the rest of the trip, just mm. having him there. You know, his, his positivity, his mindset as well. We fed off each other the, the whole time. We lived in each other's pocket. Yeah, we had – Little squabbles here and there, but like <laughs> like a brother, like a brotherly As thing. You know, yeah, you know, you'd you'd call it out for what it was. Yeah. You'd agree on it, and then within fifteen seconds, you'd be yeah back be talking about something else. Yeah, yeah, because you needed that. You know, and he was, you know, to have him <laughs> have him walk with me for twelve days and virtually pay me out for the whole five and a half hours we're on the road. Yeah, you know, I was the brunt of his jokes, and oh, I didn't mind it because you know that's Nate, and, and yeah. you know, we, it was just a camaraderie that we had. Yeah, well, we take it back a little. What was the what's the lead up to the walk? What what was the moment for you where you decided I'm doing this? Was there something that happened, or oh, I was just it was one of my mates walked from Cairns to Rock uh, Cairns to Redcliffe 15 years ago, and we'd spoken about it for about five years, and he said, "Oh, you should do it one day," mm. and then. I sort of just let it go, and then obviously with Fun My Challenge, as being an ambassador, the boys said, you know, do you want to do a hero challenge? We're about to launch, and we got talking to Ronnie again while we're playing golf, and he goes, mate, this would be an awesome um, thing for you to do, and we'd spoken about it, and he'd sent me videos, you know, a year ago or two years ago about his walk, and then it just stuck in my head, and then without even thinking about it, I was with, with Ronnie, he said, mate, why don't you do a hero challenge and walk from Cairns to Gold Coast, like mm. I did, and he's 60. Oh, man, I think you know. I think he's like 50, 56, 57. And I said, "Yeah, right, I'll do it," without even thinking, without even without comprehending how far I'm actually going to walk. Yeah. And then I had it in my head. I was like, as soon as I had it in my head that I committed, yeah, I couldn't pull out. Yeah. And I got talking to the boys upstairs, and you got talking to the boys at Fun My Challenge, and 
I walked in and said, right, I'm walking from Cairns to Gold Coast and we're going to do it on, on, the, on your platform. Yeah. And then from then on, once I said it to them and once I, I once I said it to my missus when I got home, told her that I was going to be away for 60, because it was initially going to be only 66 days and then yeah. COVID hit and had lockdowns. And once I told her I was going to be away from home for 66 days, she was doing cartwheels in the backyard because <laughs> yeah. I wasn't going to be home. So she gets, <laughs> she gets a relief from, from me being at home. But yeah, yeah I mean, everyone was supportive and yeah. you know, even, even down to, even down to um, you know, to Nate Miles when we got talking about it, we we're having a coffee and I said, mate, I'm going to do it. And he goes, well, and this is this is another trait that Nate has. Nate just looked at me and he goes, "How long does it take to walk to um, from Cairns to Townsville?" So I think it's about 12, 13 days. Mm. He goes, "Well, I'll do the first leg with you." Yeah. And I said, "Well, mate, you better check with Tess." He checked with Tess, and she I could hear her through the phone. You're not being away from me for twelve days. Got the phone. He goes, "Right, I'm coming with you." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but Tess, I mean, um, you know, hats off to Tess. I just had a newborn, and she was you know, very supportive of it mm. as well. So. Yeah, we, I, I, good people around me, which made it, a, yeah, made it that little bit easier. But she's, she's very successful in her own right too. Tess, oh yeah, yeah. She's very successful yeah. and and an awesome, awesome lady, awesome chick. So, yeah, to have had the blessing of her and obviously my missus when I did tell her, and then, you know, you sit down, you get on Google Maps and you. You zoom into the road and you're like, holy shit, I'm in for it here. Like I've, I've probably overcommitted here. Yeah, and I've then, done the drive, so I don't know yeah, what it'd be like doing the walk because I've done the drive and that's even a yeah, full on just driving. Not looking forward to the Marlborough stretch. <laughs> yeah. What but am I doing? Yeah. I, I just I was, um, before we obviously started today, I was talking to a guy, uh, the Barefoot Dutchman. He's mm. actually doing the walk, and he, I reached out to him the other day on social media and told him to get a hold of me and if there's anything can help. And he actually called before we just started, boys. Mm. So. And he'd just gone through the Marlborough stretch. He's on the other side of Rockhampton at the moment. I said, mate, how was it for you? Yeah. Because I loved it. Yeah. I loved the Marlborough stretch. I, I Like I got told about the drive yeah. through the Marlborough stretch. I've driven it as a young kid. I can't remember it. Mm. But I actually really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. It, was, it was a, you know, south of, especially south of, um, you know, Camilla and, um, you know, um, Clareview. Yeah. Well, Clareview is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Really, what a... Beautiful place that that is. When you say it was beautiful, there were you having moments of like reflection on your own self? Were you just oh, talking about like the location and everything like that, or what? The what, whole what, the whole yeah. journey was a was a like like I know that I've I know that I've raised a lot of money for for you know for charities and mm. there's there's going to be a lot of beneficiaries and there's going to be a lot of people's lives changed. But I can tell you now, there's one person's life has changed, and that's me. Like I yeah. perspective as being a better husband, a better father, and a better person. To sit there with seventy-one days on the on the road, or sixty-eight days really, without the three-day uh, lockdown, mm. um, you 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 delve into little things that you know I did as a kid, and you know not not nice to people when I was you know not bullying and whatnot, but you you definitely have that reflection. You have a reflection on yourself, yeah. and you know that was that was amazing. It was it was a really and the people you meet along the way affect you as well because yeah. they're good real people yeah and they just you know for 71 days of my life i didn't watch the news i didn't see the things that are force fed down our throats mm. um and to have that um you know reassurance that life is good and you know there are good people out in the out in the world mm. because i was and i was going down the highway people would pull up on the highway obviously you had to say you know know that there's no cars coming and, mm. and going They'd pull up and they'd pull up in front and would have a talk to a family that you know just pulled over and having a young kid Lucas, their parents own a um, a blind company. Mm. They were doing a job up at Clareview, 
this young kid, 13 years of age, like no, 11 years of age, walks over to me and has a chat with me. Mm. And then he walks with me for the next next day, did the first 10Ks, raised $6,000. Wow. Because he sat there with his dad and his dad was a legend just going, yeah, Lucas wants to walk with you. Mm. Um, he goes, I've given him $250 for every K that he does. Yeah. And I said, Lucas, you're dead set going to be walking more than 10Ks because I want to take two and a half grand off your dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then we had a beer with his dad and by the end of the night, he'd rang his family and said, mm. right, Lucas is going to do this. Do you want to pledge you know, money per K that he does? Yeah. And then... Um, his old boy, he um, oh, he's gonna kill me because he's a legend. I forget his name, but then um, he said, "Well, right, well, Lucas, if you're gonna do ten, if you're gonna do, because he promised me that he'd do a K, the dad, mm. and then he ended up running three Ks and walking seven, so he did ten Ks with his young fella. Yeah. It was it was awesome. It was good. like those sort of stories, and yeah. you know, meeting people that pull up on the side of the road and give you a donation or give you words of encouragement, give you a honk, and you know, tell you to keep on going." They're the things that, yeah, life's all about. You don't want to be sitting there watching, you know, the the force-fed bullshit that we see on the news mm. now. Yeah, it's all negative, and yeah, there's people's mindsets that they're that they're fucking with. Yeah, by feeding us information that I don't think's correct. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of it's made up yeah. to make it doom and gloom and give those people not the right right perspective on life, and also too, to have these people when you come through these regional areas that come out and talk to you and tell you how well you're doing. And I had that many people invite me to the house to have mm. dinner with their families. It was That's amazing. Awesome. And just for us to feel normal again instead of sitting at a pub, like, you know, I appreciate the pubs giving us food and yeah. you know, looking after us. But to have that comfort of having family men that were in my um, team mm. experience being able to, you know, sit at a, a, a kitchen table and, yeah, and share a meal with a with a family that's just invited us in there. That's the that's the real meaning of life for me. It's that's pretty that's awesome, isn't it? It's yeah. awesome. And I, I remember JT. I caught up with JT at the Broncos Cowboys game, and we got talking about my nephew and we got talking about football. And he didn't ask me any questions about the about the walk. And then he rang me back about rang me about five days later. He goes, oh, "I walked. You know, I've just been reflecting on what we've been talking about. How's the walk going?" He goes, "I didn't get to talk to you." Yeah. I said, oh, I said, JT, without sounding corny, I said, my heart and my soul are so full of love it's because you're meeting people, yeah. real people that come out and talk to you about yeah. good stuff and you don't see the mainstream media. It's, it, it was, it well, was a good sense trip. of passion coming out here just even speaking about yeah. it. Yeah, oh, it's, it's awesome. awesome. It was, yeah. it's, I, and I've said to my missus, I said, if, if anyone can, if you want to change your life, yeah. go ahead and do what I did. Yeah. It's yeah. really, it's one of those things too. And I'm like listening to your story and reflecting a bit as we're going through the conversation. It's sometimes when you're younger and whatever, you don't realise what you get out of helping someone. You you can be a little bit selfish. I know for me, I was a bit selfish. I was like, oh, why would I help someone? And as you get a bit older, you actually realise what you get out of, you know, not, I've never, I haven't done a walk like you have, but just helping someone, you know, doing yep. that, pulling over, saying, hey, you going, champ? Reaching out to one of your mates. Hey, bud, I, you're a bit upset. Can yeah. I help you? Mm. you it, that reward that you get, like when you help people, it helps you. And even it helps even, your mindset. And a help can be a gesture. It can be well done. It can be encouragement. Yeah. Like where I grew up in a family where my mum and dad were very, very supportive, mm. and and they would give you praise. And I, I try and do it with my kids all the time and tell them how proud I am mm. of them. And my kids are, you know, the twins are eleven and the eldest is thirteen. And, and you see that difference when when you say to your, well, yeah, my young fellow will go out there and play footy, and 
and I say, mate, you're awesome out there. I'm so proud of you. Mum's so proud. I said, you know, even Pop's watching the game and he's so proud. You can just see, you can see them being lifted. Just words of encouragement. Yeah. I, I used to, you know, I took it for granted when I'd see someone do something extraordinary and you go, oh, well done, mate. Mm. And when I was on the walk, it just really hit home when someone would drive past and yell out, keep it up, walks, or, you know, you're going well, we're proud of you. you mm. It was amazing. Like, if someone, it's weird. Because if someone gave you a toot, yeah, and you know you're walking along, you know you're walking on the road, just a simple thing like a toot and a how you're going would pick you up for a K, yeah, and then you get that all the time. It was it was amazing. It was it was so rad. Like yeah. it was so rad to do it, and and to be able to do it, and even I flew up to um, Hale Creek on Monday, and it was amazing because I purposely got a, a window seat. Yeah, and and the plane just happened to drive like virtually flew where I could see where I was walking. I was like, <laughs> I, I got emotional. I got I got tears in my eyes. I was like, yeah. because I I ran every bridge from Cairns to Gold Coast except for the William Jolly Bridge. I missed out on that. <laughs> yeah, which I, I was on the phone and I walked up about probably three k's and I was like, oh shit, I forgot to walk the William Jolly Bridge. Yeah, oh, sorry, I forgot to run, run the it. run the bridge. So I'd run every bridge from Cairns yeah. to Gold Coast because that was my thing and. Flying in the plane, I was looking down. I was looking, you know, I was like, oh, I ran, you know, I stopped there and you know, I ran that bridge and keep on going up. That's where we stopped and that's where we stayed. And I was like, it was just a real, like, yeah, you just, you forget. I, you know, I took it, probably took it for granted that I actually walked from one one side of Queen, or one, the top end of Queensland, right down to the bottom. So, yeah, yeah massive it effort. It's really massive. funny too, because sometimes people don't realize how big Queensland is. Yeah. Like, I, I would say, you know, I talk to blokes in Melbourne and go, I've got the distance from me to you above me still. Yeah, up no, to yeah. Cairns. Like it's it's huge. It's a massive, massive effort. Mm. It's unreal. Um, so I just wanted to go back to the the Fund My Challenge stuff and the and the charities that you're sort of um, raising for. Obviously the Fund My Challenge app is a is something that's yep. digging some massive goals and making some some waves. Do you want to fill us in a bit about Yeah, that? it's a it's a it's obviously a new platform to Australia and um, you know it's, it's, it's in the art of giving and it's giving to charities, foundations and people in need. And, uh, you know, at front of my challenge, if you're a charity, there's 58,000 charities registered in, in Australia, mm. DGR registered charities in Australia. And through the fund, my challenge, they vet the, the charity. So if there's a charity that's not, you know, they've got to spend more than 60% on what they actually so say they, say they do it yeah. for. And they, and on the, on the platform, if, if a, if a person nominates Beyond Blue, well, then Beyond Blue have 12 months to, to then spend that money on their cause. Yeah. Okay. And they can't save it for future endeavours, which what we've seen, it really hit home for the guys at Fund My Challenge when um, Celeste Barber raised $53 million for, for the fireys during the fires. And mm-hmm. I think that was probably... And then, you know, she thought she was doing a great thing by donating it to the New South Wales Fire Brigade, thinking that they were going to go in there and build the houses for the communities that lost the houses during the fires. Mm. But under their constitution, they can only spend it on new fire trucks, new equipment and training. Yeah, right. So what's happened? And and they know why she why she did it, but she was only thinking that she was only going to raise 100000 then it just blew up like, yeah. all over the world and people were chucking millions yeah. of dollars in it at a time. Yeah. And I think the Royal Fire, New South Wales Royal Fire, Fire Brigade want to spend it on the on the communities, but under their constitution, under their rights, mm. they can't. Yeah. Okay. So that's how come there's a bit of a sh- shit fight with it. And with the with the Fund My Challenge, you, you've got to spend 
money that is donated through Fund My Challenge, you only have 12, you have 12 months to spend it. If you don't, well, it goes to another charity similar to what your cause is. Okay. And you've got to have, you've got to spend, like I said, you can't get $100 and donate $5 to your cause and then keep it for the, yeah. for the big fat checks of, of, CEOs. of executives. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where this this platform is, is I think it'll revolutionise the art of giving. Yeah. Um, and, and also, too, what it does is people go onto the platform and they go, right, I want to uh, donate some money. They know that the, the charities on there have been vetted mm. and they know that their money is actually going to where, like I donated to Celeste Barber thinking that you know, my $100 was going to help buy a new toaster. Yeah. yeah. And instead it went to not where it was supposed to go and then, there's another charity that got, I think, thirty or forty million dollars, and only spent ten million dollars on it, and kept the rest of it for future. future. A major, major charity, also, we'll call it for yeah, what major, it is. Major, major. <laughs> yeah. I'm not mentioning anyone because I don't want them to come at me. But, but, but also, too, on Fund My Challenge, we want to get to those those charities that are at fifty or forty percent. Mm. And if in in our constitution, you've got to you've got to spend the money, and that you know, all of the money. And that might bring them up to sixty percent and seventy percent, and better there, yeah. You know, too. So that's something that, that you know is in the pipeline with Fund My Challenge. But yeah, it's a great little platform, and, it, and it's helping a lot of people, and it's helping you know get to the right areas and where it needs to go. Head Noise Official is a self-funded podcast dedicated to bringing awareness to everyday issues that we all bottle up. We are interested in partnering with sponsors that align with our mission and values. If you want to hear more episodes like this and help create conversations, please reach out to Head Noise Official via our socials or our website, www.headnoiseofficial.com.au. So with that Fund My Challenge, there was a number of, um, um, I guess, charities there that, that you did it for the walk. Was there a reason why it was those four? Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, well, we, when, I first, when we first talk, talked about it, um, yeah, with how far I was going and where I was going, the destination and the finish line and the start date and whatever. Um, I had I had Carl Webb, uh, his motor neurons disease in mind. I wanted to do it for Carl Webb, but like I said, with Fund My Challenge, you needed to be a DGR registered charity, a, a, a government identified charity, and not just a you know a, a dodgy charity. I know that Carl Webb is not dodgy. I know this yeah. charity is legit. Yeah, but. Um, with the current climate that everyone's in in the world with this COVID bullshit, mm. um, I, I'd seen um, things about Beyond Blue. I'd seen things about domestic violence, which was Rise Up, Alcohol and Drug Foundation. Now, over the last 18 months with this COVID, all those charities, and I only picked three, and, the, and Global Awakening is obviously a, uh, a charity as well, but those three have all seen increases over the last 18 months with COVID and massive increases. People... Knocking themselves all the time, and I've I've had close friends kill themselves. Yeah. Um, like we've all been touched by suicide. A lot of people have also been touched by rise uh, by domestic violence, and I got to spend a lot of time. I got to spend a day with uh, Rise Up um, before I left, and what they do for for, for families who have been affected by um, domestic violence is amazing. Nicole and uh, Gareth, her, her partner, they they started Rise Up. They they house families that have um, been decimated by by domestic violence. They What they do is they don't meet the families. They simply get a um, profile of the family who um, needs to move out of a house that's been 
affected by domestic violence. There might be three kids and they're all under the age of 10 and there's two girls and one boy. They know what um, colours they like. They, they get information on what mm. toys they had because some of the families that have got to be relocated have 10 minutes to get out of the house or they don't even get the chance to go back to the house to get their private stuff. So for them to be re relocated to another house in another city, yeah. um, it's a smooth transition for all involved yeah. and the, the perpetrator gets to doesn't even know where they are. So that's what they do and, and the increases they've seen over the last 18 months, obviously people losing jobs, people aren't thinking right. Mm. You know, unfortunately, domestic violence is is, is risen mm. along with the Alcohol and Drug Foundation, which sort of goes hand in hand. So to choose those charities was a no-brainer and, and, you know, the money that I've, I've, I've you know, raised for, for those charities, mm. um, yeah, we'll go a long way in helping families and relocating and you know, helping people get back on their feet through Beyond Blue and you know, hopefully see the the, uh, the decline from alcohol and drugs. So, um, yeah, it was it was a no-brainer to choose those those charities. And, yeah, they do amazing work and they spend over over 60%, so it was, it was pretty cool to, to put them on. And, and through that process, um, by, by doing the walk, you got to actually learn a little bit more about their businesses and oh, yeah. all their foundations and, and get a more of an insight that you probably never had before. Or? Yeah, and also too, yeah. um, you know, just to, just to know that you know, it's, it's weird because when people go, oh, I've only got $3 yeah. to donate, well, that buys new toothbrushes for the kids who got relocated or you know, I've only got $20, that, that helps um, rise, uh, helps Alcon Drug Foundation um, sit down and talk to a person who's been affected and then obviously would be on blue mm. they've got their you know every every single dollar counts and and to be able to, to know what they do and mm. spend time with them um you know again when you wake up and your first two minutes you just think about families or people who are doing it tough and you know it, it makes it pretty easy to get up and that do that 30 30 k's every day it's kind of like the like the, the whole mental health thing and whether it's a charity donation and all that it's all really even with a, every small donation helps mm. and it's it's nearly like a like a safety in numbers policy really in it they might yep. be only donating this but 500 people are donating 10 bucks each there's that's five grand like that's a big difference and, and yeah. five grand relocates a family because mm. that's that's the total cost to relocate and yeah. you know including got walked out to uh, i was out at um storage king where they where they keep all their storage they keep their white goods the, you know the toys for the kids the sheets for the beds the the toasters, the bikes, the you know, they cost them seventy thousand dollars a year to keep the sheds from Storage King. Yeah, and Storage King are unbelievable. They give them a massive discount to, you know, for their charity. They've got to charge them. Where, you know, I was hoping to raise a million dollars, but we I think we got to about quarter of a million dollars, which is going to change so many people's lives. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. it's a massive achievement. Massive well done. Achievement. It's a huge, a huge amount of money. Yeah, definitely, definitely touched. A lot of people's lives, and, and obviously they've also touched your life, Chris. Oh, definitely, and that's and that's that's the beauty of what I've done. And you know, there's people out there doing extraordinary things every day for charities, and you know, to be able to raise a quarter of a million dollars and give to people and yeah. you know, see their see their worlds change. So, yeah. you know, I, I know that when people would give me a donation, I'd think, you know, what, how good is this? Yeah. Now that's going to go to helping a kid or helping a family. Yeah. So probably the adversity that they're all sort of facing their life that those foundations are helping them out let's if we can dive into a little bit about your life and any i guess adversity that you've sort of faced you know yeah within your life and then also with your sporting you know sporting career like there are i guess you know the, the stories of you being the bad boy of, of rugby league <laughs> and everything there so um is there i think i was just mis misunderstood yeah um, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, there's there's plenty of 
plenty of adversity, um, you know, in everyone's life. And I just happened to have, you know, a shining light on mine that was anything I did outside of football that, you know, being locked up for, you know, fighting and whatnot is not a good look. It's not something that I'm proud of. But, yeah, you, you know, I put myself in those situations. But there's certainly ways that, um, you know, you as a young kid, a lot of people at young, you know, my age when I did stuff up off the field, I shouldn't have done it and a lot of people don't do it, but it happens. You can't dwell on it. You can't go back on it. You can't change it. So, you know, moving forward, you just want to, you know, try and better yourself every day. And that's where, you know, um, you know, I had the support that I had um, through rugby league, through my family, through my friends. I had a good support team. And, you know, I, I continuously now, I'm 41 years of age, I continue, continuously now make mistakes mm. um, and, and make wrong choices. But, um, yeah, you can't dwell on them too much. You just got to try and better yourself and try and improve yourself. So, um, yeah, but it's yeah, it all comes down to to working hard and 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 knowing that when you do look at yourself in the mirror, you're, you're happy with who yeah looks back at you. Yeah, that's a good call. You've you've got to look at yourself in the mirror each morning, haven't you? Yep. Was there was there time just to go a little bit deeper? Obviously, with the with the with bursting onto the scene at the Broncos and then you know in fairly quick succession with moving around to a few clubs with. With issues was that was a bit of that alcohol based yep. or yeah I, I mean I, I played for six clubs and mm. I think out of those six clubs I was sacked from three of them uh, because of my alcohol intake I'm uh, I come from a family of four boys mm. um, Ben and Shane both played NRL Luke my younger brother never got to play NRL but when you have a drink with those guys with with my brothers they can you know they can stop at ten mm. I need to get to one hundred mm. and the old saying one two one's too many and a thousand is not enough really hits home with me yeah. um, and that's you know yeah we talk about the walk and what it's affected me I, I've got three kids um, 11 and 13 and all the twins are soon to be 11 and 13 and you know even just talking with Nate Miles and walking with him you know we're putting things I'm putting things in place and you know, I've seen my dad drunk once in my lifetime and I'm 41 years of age and we owned a pub for six six years yeah um, and then with me my kids unfortunately have seen me drunk and you know it's not the best, and I don't want to. I don't want my kids to be thinking, oh, you know, when I'm 60 years of age and they're 20 and moved out, that you know, dad was a drunk and you know he never looked after us. So, you know, getting back to your question about have I changed? Yeah, I think you know I'm putting things in place now where I'm not drinking around the kids because I don't want them to think that their dad was a you know an alcoholic or a drunk or a bad drunk or a good drunk or everything in between. So yeah, um, it's amazing. You know, when you when I look back and did. You know, the things that affected me during the walk and even my missus, even my wife, you know, since I've been back in the last two weeks, she goes, you know, there's been a shift, there's been a you know, change. You, you know, you're sort of a lot more placid and you, you know, you're more considerate because being a rugby league player you, or being a professional sports person, you have to have that selfishness. And mm -hmm. that's unfortunately a trait that maybe a 71-day walk from Cairns has probably got out of me. So, um, yeah, it's there's there's been some really good things that have hit home and, and that for me has been number one for me is is making sure that you know my alcohol intake around the kids is zero yeah you know, I'm, I'm still a great dad and a, you know a good oh, husband but yeah. i just don't want to have you know a relationship with my kids where they think oh well, you know dad's on the on the piss again yeah um so yeah it, that's that's one thing that you know mate it resonates with me because i'm probably a bit the same like if i yeah I kind of, I'm not a sort of person in the afternoon, oh, I'll come home and have a beer. Yeah. Like, I'd rather 
if I'm going to have a beer, then I'm going to have a thousand beers. That's right. Yeah. So I don't, I don't come home in the afternoon and go, oh, I'll cool <laughs> off the day and just have one You're a beer. Drinker. Yeah. But we'll yeah, come on a weekend. Yep. You know, if I'm around the boys or I've played a game of footy or something like that. That's a good excuse to go, right, I'm going to have three days. Yeah. And I can't stop. Yep. I can't stop. And, you know, and, yeah. You know, Part of my stuff was anxiety, like I dealt with anxiety massively throughout my whole life, but never really knew what it was. Yep. And then when you get to that sort of age and you're leaving school and <clears throat> you start drinking and you start partying and stuff like that, you kind of found that oh, I feel like I'm a different person or I'm, or I'm not that anxious person when I'm drunk. So, But then you wake up and you next... get anxiety yeah. and, it, and, it, and it just escalates. It yeah, yeah. I remember I do, I do um, mind talks out of the minds and I was um, Glencore and ESS – um, got me out about probably five years ago. I'd been going through some uh, personal things with business and went bankrupt and my anxieties and my stress levels, mm. and I didn't know what anxiety was. Yeah. I, I think I had, looking back on my life, I think I had an anxiety attack when I was 13, laying in bed. I'd just been in trouble at school and my mum and dad were pretty pissed off for me. I got into bed and I had an anxiety attack and I didn't know what it was. I had mm. fucking no idea what it was. And I was like, what the hell is this shit? Mm. And then it didn't happen again until stresses in my life with business and whatnot and i just started getting really bad anxiety i didn't know what it was so i went to the quack i went to the doctor and i said mate listen what do i do you know mm. i've got anxiety I've, I've got this thing i didn't know what it was yes and that was about probably seven years ago and i remember going out and doing a mind talk with um about ralston and it was my first talk and i was about 10 15 minutes into mm. my presentation and the the microphone started playing up mm. then I just had this anxiety attack and it was probably the biggest anxiety attack I've ever had in front of 200 miners all looking at me. I couldn't talk. I, I was broke out to a sweat. I thought I was going to faint. Everything just went white. I just walked straight outside, took my shirt off, like where I was, sat out there for about an hour to try and get my composure. composure. So I made a, made a decision to go back in and talk to the miners individually, like in groups. Mm. And it was amazing. It was – from that day, I remember it was – a really defining moment for me because I went around, I went back in after composing myself and there would have been probably you know, half of them had gone back to their, their rooms and went to bed, but a lot of them stayed around. And I got talking to a lot of them. And it was amazing how many guys mm. still there said, listen, I've experienced what you're, what you've experienced. Is that an anxiety attack? And I, and I went, yeah, I think it is because I didn't know exactly what it was. And they went, yeah, well, I experience exactly what you do. Mm. So they were woken up to it, and they then they thought it was okay because they'd seen me go through it. Yeah. They didn't need to hide it. And then I went back and saw the doctor when I got back home. And one tool he said to me, he goes, whatever you do, if you start feeling the anxiety come on, the worst thing you can do, this is this was for me, he said, I'll give you some advice. He gave me three things, but this, was, this worked for me amazingly. Once you start experiencing the the thought of anxiety, mm. don't try and fight it because if you try and fight it, it'll hit you like a Mack truck. Yeah, He said, accept it and know that it's there, know that nothing's going to happen to you, the world's not going to end. Mm. And it was amazing, wasn't it? Like I now, if I do get an anxiety attack, I get really excited because once I ride that emotional wave, I, it's like I have a, a shot of adrenaline come through me yeah. and I accept it and it goes away and I feel amazing about it. It's a victory. It's a victory yeah. and, it's a, and it's a rewarding victory. But I don't get them. I used to get when I went through all my shit. I, I was I was getting four to five massive anxiety attacks a day. Ooh. Then I was talking to Nate. Nate's got the F forty fives, and he said, "Listen, mate, good way to get anxiety is start back your routine of training." Because I wasn't training. I just finished retired playing from footy and drinking a lot of piss and Ooh. partying and whatnot. And 
um, you know, the business was going good, but I was still having anxiety attacks. I didn't know what it was. And then I started training with Nate and get my head right. And um, it went from five or six, four or five anxiety attacks a week, to, a day, to four, four or five anxiety attacks a week, mm-hmm. four or five anxiety attacks a month. The more I trained, the less I got them and the more happier I was. So mm-hmm. there was, there's some good little lessons there. And then I can identify now, um, which I've done myself, if I start getting stressed and having the thoughts of anxiety in that, it means that I've got to go start training. I've got to change some things in my life to to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's a it's a constant battle. Yeah, it's a it's a constant battle. <laughs> every time, every time I start, every time I start getting stressed and start having anxiety attacks, I know you know what. Fuck it, I've got to go train. Yeah, or I've got to I've got to change my drinking if I'm drinking too much. And yeah, drinking alcohol um, was a was a massive contributor. So. Yeah, that's that's a trigger for me to go. You know what? If I'm having these thoughts of stress and anxiety, well then something's not right in my balance mm. and my work-life balance. Yep. I've got to get those jars back to where they need to be. Um, you know, in equal. Did you ever get to the stage? Because um, Webby and I sort of talk about this a fair bit. Mm. Did you ever go to the next level and get some further help? Like I, I, I often see a psychologist. Mm. Webby has previously, like see someone professionally to get a bit of help repackaging it, or you're able to manage most of it. No, I, I didn't, but when I first went, I, I went and saw a psychologist mm. um, back when I was young, and, I, and this is well before, you know, blokes. And I've got a, I've got a you know, with the suicide rate, I've, I've got a, I think, um, ex, I think it explains to me, and I, I've come up with this myself, and this is my diagnosis, why males have a higher suicide rate than females. Yeah. Um, which I'll touch on, but... When I, when I made the decision to go talk to someone, that was probably the hardest decision I had to make because, because yeah. as a male, you want to be proud about, oh, I'll deal with this myself. I'll, yeah. I won't go seek help because, you know what, I was taught as a young kid and this is why I think that males have a higher suicide rate than females is because when we're, when we're young boys, and I know that me coming from a family of four boys, if we were out, and I fell over and I grazed my knee as a five-year-old boy, mm. the father would look up, look down and go, Chris, if I, Chris, get up. Fucking boys don't show their emotion. Boys don't cry. Mm. But then relay to me with my kids, and I've done it and I've, I've checked myself once or twice because of it, and my twins are boy-girl, exactly the same age. Mm. If Chase falls over, there was one time where I said, Chase, get up, and there were people there and he was crying and I fucking sort of just... Ushered him away and come on, mate, pick yourself up. Boys don't cry. Mm. Boys hide their emotion. Yeah, you're a big boy. You don't cry. Big boys don't cry. But then my daughter Nala is the same age. She falls over and grazes a knee. You know what? You know what I did? I run over. I pick her up. I cuddle her. I make sure that my little princess is right. Yeah. Now, the mindset that that happened for Chase, my young fella, he looks and goes, "Fuck, Dad, didn't you didn't give me that? Oh, you never said it. Yeah, yeah. But Dad, you didn't give me the same." love and attention that I needed yeah. when I fell over last week and grazed my knee yeah, yeah. in front of everyone. So from a from a young age, and males have got to, fathers have got to change the mindset, I think. Mm. Fathers have got to change the mindset because I ask my kids every day if they're happy and how they are and how proud I am. I always tell my kids I'm proud of my kids mm. and that's just my father. Yeah, that's just my fatherly thing. Mm. And my little one, Nala, she had some behaviour issues and I found that when the kids were playing and they started fighting, the first name that I'd yell out to was Nala, mm. right? So Nala just thinks that she's in trouble all the time. So guess what? She pushes back 
and her behaviour went downhill. Mm. So I, it was amazing because I said to my missus, I said, righto, because Nala, my, my daughter, so I've got Harper, Chase and Nala, and I'm only using my kids and my family for this podcast and yeah. what I've done. Because Nala was the loudest, she's got a really predominant voice like me, yeah. and the other the other two, you know, like my missus, they don't, they're not really loud, but when they were fighting and we couldn't see them, because Nala was the loudest, you could identify Nala as the one that was causing trouble. But you could it was hear the other it. one. You could yeah. hear it, but it's the first name coming out was Nala. Stop doing what you're doing. Well, it probably wasn't even her fault. So mm. automatically she's resenting you because the other two are picking on her and she's the one still getting in trouble mm. where it should be the other guys. So Courtney and I, I said, Courtney, right, we're having troubles with Nala's behaviour at school. She was getting in trouble and you know, she was only young. There was only like grade one and two. Mm. In grade three, now she's grade six. I said, right, of course, what we're going to do, if the kids are playing and we can't see them and you know, they're picking on one or picking on Nala and Nala's getting picked on, we'll rouse on the other two and we won't even mention Nala's name. Within three to six months of us changing that, her, she's now just become this extroverted, hilarious kid with no behaviour problems. Yeah. And, I, and it was just little parenting things that we needed to critique yeah. and that was one of them. And it's only a little critique, but for her, it's the biggest thing. Massive change. It's, the, it's yeah. like her schoolwork has gone through the roof. Her grades have gone up. She's gone from, you know, oh, I can't say a word because mum and dad are going to get up us. But it was just us because she was the loudest. It wasn't like she was. Yeah. And it was amazing. I, I've, Courtney and I talk about it now, like, we all, you know, when we, like how funny she is and how <laughs> awesome she is. And that's just come out in the last. Yeah, you know, last year that we've changed that whole mindset. Yeah. So you yeah, sound like a very proud parent. Oh, yeah, 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 no, yeah. my kids. Yeah, so that's why you know I don't want I don't want my kids to be seen. Yeah, you know, I don't want my kids to have a relationship that a lot of my friends have got with their dad. Oh, fuck, he's drunk again. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, he's carrying on again. You know, that's yeah. It makes me sort of reflect a little bit when you said that. I was thinking, oh, yeah, because I yeah probably drinking yeah you know, around my young fellow and that, and that's probably something that I might actually take away from this and. Maybe reflect and think yeah, that's no, probably I, the best best idea to be to be doing it, you know. But kind of just used to it with like your old man, you know, always you know, grab us a beer around the fridge. You'd always go get the beer around the fridge. Yeah. And, well, see, my old like I said, yeah. I've seen my dad drunk, but yeah, oh, my old man would never be drunk, but he always have you know, probably yeah. about five beers yep. in, after work. That was just his. That was his, his thing. Yeah, but I've never saw him. You know, yeah, besides Anzac Day. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But that, that was yeah, just normal. Grab yep. a beer. Yeah. Uh, but what you were talking about there about. Um, you know, sort of like that generation, or, or seeing how you fall over, like don't, don't sort of don't cry, don't show your don't emotion. show your emotion in that. You reckon that was because like the mindset back then for them thought if you showed the emotion to the young male, then they would end up turning out being soft or something like okay. that. Okay, yeah, and they were, and everyone was and worried about that. But that, but that's that's the generational shift from yeah. when they were kids. Yeah, you know, that's that's not because the dads and the but their dad would have done it, and their dad would have done it to their yeah. dad, and their dad, and, and so on. And then it's, yeah. but now I like the fact that, you know, we're not we're not turning our kids into pussies or, or you know, or scared of or everything. Scared of everything. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, you know, there's certain ways to, I think, to bring up your kids, and I think that showing your kids that you know when they do cry, especially at a young age like that, yeah. it's okay to to show your emotions. I don't mind crying. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't think you've ever seen me dad cry, but I know my kids have seen me cry once or twice. Yeah. And I don't mind that. Yeah. But I, I know that I'm not a pussy or you know yeah. weak or what. It's not weakness. It's it's just it's just it's okay to 
not bottle your emotions up. Mm, 100%. It's a massive paradigm shift, isn't it? Mm. It is. And it's so much weight off your shoulders as well. Yep. You realise all this extra shit that you carry around with you and then mm. you're like, ah, oh. one, to connect with other blokes and go, this fellow here beside me played, what did you play, 186-odd NRL games? He's he's going through the same shit that I am and I'm right, fucking yeah. no one. Yeah. And we all but share. Then, but you're not a no one. So yeah. this is the thing. And this yeah. is the thing with the role model situation with, you know, League players or sports people, because they're on on the idiot box, mm. you're gonna tell you your kids are gonna think of them as a role model. I I teach my kids that football players are not role models. Football mm. players are athletes. Mm. I teach my kids that role models are your granddads, your grandmothers, your uncles, your aunties, mm. and your cousins. People you know, yeah, not because they're on the idiot box that they're role. They're all of a sudden role models. Yeah, like no. That. Yeah. I know blokes that I played football that I would not let my kid even look up to mm. or even say their name because they were dirtbags. Yeah. Just because they're on the, in, on the TV doesn't mean that they have to be a role model. And I hate when people say, oh, but, you know, Todd Carney shouldn't have done that because he's a role model for kids. No, you've got the wrong – you're sending the wrong message, message to your kids if you're telling your kids that because you don't even know him personally and what he's gone through in his life. And I'm, mm. I'm only using Todd Carney because he got in trouble. Yeah, yeah. He's a really good guy, Todd Carney. I like him. He's a, Fucking reason, real good. Dude. Um, but you know, for me, I tell my kids role models are people that you know personally mm. and and are good people. Mm. They're they're role models. People who say, "Oh, but Chris, you're a role model to my kid." Well, you're not teaching your kid shit. You're mm. you're being lazy because yeah, oh, look, he's on the TV. Be like him. Mm. Mm. You don't want to be like people that yeah you don't know personally. And it's also probably that shift now with all the new social media, like the TikToks and the Instagrams right. and all that sort of that. The, the, social the facade uh, yeah. lifestyles that people are looking up to, which again, I think that's a massive um, probably issue with the anxiety and depression and everything yeah. that's going through. Because people want to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. yeah, it's an expectation to have this, you know, cookie cutter life and what you put on social media. Mate, I, I yeah. like I like seeing those those influencers. <laughs> They take a photo of them in the house and you know, the house has got shit everywhere. Yeah. And you can see it in the mirror and then they go out and they pose next to a Ferrari and they go, hang on, mate, I've just seen your house. You, you know, yeah. And, and, and you know, regardless of, of material things, but they want to be seen as a material yeah. person. And I see, you know, I yeah. use social media so totally different from everyone else. You, yeah. were, you mentioned before when we were talking about charity about Celeste Barber. Have you seen some of the stuff oh, she she's does? She's, 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 am- she's amazing. She's hilarious. Have you seen it? Nah, she does all these. Uh, she impersonates the, the, the influencers, the yeah. big influencers like the Kardashians and whatnot. When they're in their bikinis and yeah. stuff, and she's out oh, there on the balcony. Maybe, maybe she's I have seen it. I just didn't realise her name. Such yeah, good yeah. <clears throat> yeah, beautiful. Head Noise Official is a self-funded podcast dedicated to bringing awareness to everyday issues that we all bottle up. We are interested in partnering with sponsors that align with our mission and values. If you want to hear more episodes like this and help create conversations, please reach out to Head Noise Official via our socials or our website www.headnoiseofficial.com.au. So I guess reflecting on what we're just talking about there, um, you know, about the walk and about, uh, you know, fatherhood and about your time you know being a professional athlete and you know the moments that you probably um i want to say you know wouldn't want to take back but if you had the opportunity to talk to your younger self now with what you've been able to learn <laughs> what are the what what would you do it would be you... a long chat would it? it would be a very very <laughs> very very long chat I, I i think more so 
you know, I spent three weeks in rehab when I was playing footy, um, you know, due to my drinking and whatnot. Um, you know, I, I, I probably, after experiencing 71 days in the road, I probably would have told a young 18-year-old kid that was just about to start playing first grade to go for a walk from Kansas Gold Coast because I found, I found some really, really important things in my head and things about me on that journey that I wish I had told her. You know, if you had, if you had a at the time back, you know, one thing that I would take away would be, you know, controlling my drinking um, because everything in my life that's negative um, revolves around drinking piss. Mm. Um, and, you know, I've got some background in family with alcoholics, so um, maybe probably just had a look at the people who in my family that, you know, drink a lot and, know that I'm not like Ben and Shane, I don't have that, maybe missing that chromosome in my head that you know, can tell you to go home because I don't I do not do that. And the fear of missing out, FOMO. Um, mm. you know, I think that even now, you know, we talk about, I'm talking about um, being wiser with my drinking and, you know, I was drinking every weekend and going out and whatnot. You know, there's going to be a time and place. And mm. that's, that's the biggest thing that I've got. There is a time and there's a place to have a drink and you don't miss out on anything. Mm. Since I've been back, and it's only been two weeks, but I know that you know the boys having parties and barbecues and asking me to go around. I'm like, nah, no, I'm fine. I'll, I'll sit at home, watch TV with the kids, and enjoy what my kids love watching rugby league. Mm. And all they want to do is sit on the couch with me and watch rugby league. And you know, me not doing that for, for 71 days and having that on my head and in my conscience. Um, definitely talk to a young Chris and. So, you know, there, there's a time and place to drink and, um, you know, behave yourself. That's that's the biggest thing. And um, now the reason the reason why, I, looking back, the reason why I did drink so much is because I'd walk into a room and I'd have that feeling that everyone was looking at me. And everyone knows when you're at a bar or a nightclub or a restaurant mm. that this is what I used to do. And this is what I remember identifying at a young, but I didn't act on it. I remember... Um, living in Sydney, I got into trouble and a bloke, a journal rang me and I said, well, the only reason I drink is because I think people are looking at me and I'm not comfortable with myself. And it's amazing, after five or six beers, you become so comfortable with yourself. Yeah. And the thing is, when I'd walk into a restaurant or a nightclub or a bar, um, I'd feel like people were looking at me because I was a young football player and they knew who I was. And instead of taking my time and drinking those six beers, I'd drink six beers in half an hour. Mm. And that was just to get over the the anxiety that people were looking at me. And you needed to get to that buzz where you. I, were. I needed to get that buzz of confidence. Yeah. yeah. But then, but because I drink my beers really quick, the buzz of confidence would go really quick, and then the then the arrogant Chris would come out, and that's what get that's what would get me into trouble. And mm. that's wholly and solely the reason why I got into a lot of trouble is because I wasn't happy with myself. But after six beers, I become confident, which what everyone does. The, they, what do they call it? The Dutch courage. Dutch, yeah, Dutch um, courage. Yeah. Yeah, you get the Dutch courage, but because you're drinking so quick, you'd be on the sixth, seventh, and eighth. Mm. You know, and then by that time, yeah, you're on a downhill spiral, and that's what that's what would happen to me a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Uh, when you look oh. back and go, "Well, I wish I would have done a few things differently." But I, I don't have any. I, it's it's weird. There's things that I'd change, but I don't have regrets. If that sounds weird. No, yeah, I'm the same. I think there's a lot of moments that you think, "Oh, I wonder if probably could, I, I know I could have done that better." But if I didn't have those moments, would I then be sitting here right now with the three of us yeah, having right. this conversation? So the world works in mysterious ways. It does, yes. Yeah, so you've sort of got to roll through them and, um, yeah, understand that happened for a reason. And, and like you were saying earlier, try and learn to get better each day. Yeah. And I think 
learn from your mistakes, know that you might have stuffed up, but yeah, you, know, you can you can move forward. And having that slight slip, uh, sorry, slight shift in your mindset, like mm. you said, you start to evolve. You become that. You're not sort of steadfast and stuck in one way. You start yeah. to analyze what you're doing, and you're reflecting a bit and going, "Oh, you know what? That probably wasn't the best." Mm. You do it all the time. Even even to the point where, um, you know, getting out of rugby league and everything in rugby league or professional sports routine, it's big on everyone's big on routine. And when I retired, my routine went out the window, so everything else went out the window. So that's when the anxieties and stress sort of kicked in. And it was only about two years ago, I started getting up at, you know, I'd get up at seven o'clock or seven thirty every morning. I started getting up at five o'clock mm. and having forty-five minutes laying in bed, misses asleep, kids asleep. It's nice and dark. It's quiet, and having forty-five minutes to myself, and I just lay there and you know, I'd either get on social media, or read something on the internet, mm. and then I'd get up and go for a forty-five minute walk on the beach come back, grab a coffee, and that was my routine. Mm. And it's amazing. If you get up two hours before you get up every other morning, mm. you gain six, you gain 30 days of productivity, which is a month. Yeah. So right. that was that was a little mindset that I got. Still mm. going to bed at the same time, yeah. but waking up two hours before and having that two hours to myself, and it's amazing how you shift, your mindset shifts, and, you know, apart from training and getting out there and walking and, and having a coffee after, I can never drink coffee because yeah. I get anxiety, but... You know, I changed that shift and now I can drink two bowl, two, two or three cups a day yeah. and feel good about myself because I've got in that routine and my mind's fresh. So just little things that I pick up, you know, someone listening to this might. Are you a creature of habit? Like do you have your, no, week, no, your week planned I'm, out and no, like if I'm you don't do it, then you, you get annoyed or, or, or if you miss something, do you get annoyed at yourself because you missed it? Like you missed a training session or something? I'm, like I'm a mosquito. Yeah. My mindset, my, I'm, I'm, I'm everywhere. Yeah, but I, but to start your day, yeah, like I hate waking up at seven thirty or eight o'clock in the morning now. Like yeah. I, I love might be because I'm getting older, but I wake up at five o'clock. I'm waking up at four o'clock because I'm training with the boys um, at their forty five with Nate till the four forty five class. And I really like I look forward to going going home yeah. and going right. I'm going to train. I'm going to have a coffee, mm. and then I'm going to start my day. Mm. And then I get home, misses and kids. Sometimes I don't even awake. I sneak in, get her a coffee, and then I get the kids ready, and or I come up to the office. So it's, it's like it's like a victory. It's your, a victory. Your victory it, in yeah, the morning yeah, every day, start. and that's that's the routine. Yeah. There's a lot of studies. A lot of people, a lot of leaders, a lot of motivational lot speakers of speak yeah, about yeah. the you know getting up that couple of hours earlier in the morning, when the morning, when the morning. o'clock. Yeah. 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 Uh, I had a yeah, old footy coach Wayne Travellan. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wayne asked, he said the same thing. Win the morning, win the day. Webby. First three steps in the morning, just got to get up and get done. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, well, that yeah. was like when I was on the walk. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. The first two minutes of the day was was the toughest. Yeah. Even though, yeah, getting out of bed to do something the way I was doing and and share the road with people or have people depend on me and you know, on my social media every I give people updates and even now like. People reach out to me and say, listen, can you do something else? Because that inspired me to do something yeah. during the day. And I loved, I used to wake up and go, right, what are you doing today? Where are you going to be? How far are you going? What are you doing? Who are you doing it with? Yeah. It's amazing. Like people people become the creature of habit then. And yeah. they, their mindsets you know, changes. I'm doing a 100K walk on Saturday, actually. Yeah. Yeah, you want to tell us about that? Yeah, doing a, uh, I've decided to do, um, you know, on Saturday, leaving from Palm Beach, 2.30 in the afternoon. So we'll just start uh, the date because we may, this may actually go out after you. Yeah, okay, so it's yeah, the 24th, well, yeah, the 24th? Yeah, yeah the 24th. Yeah. So if it goes, yeah, um, doing a 100K walk, I just want to um, do it for White Cloud. They, um, you know, they're big in the mental health space and they help women with postnatal depression and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, to be able to do, to, to be able to do 100Ks, I've done, I've done 
I've done a 24-hour walk, which is 100 kilometres. I get to about 100, 101 k's. I want to go over that 100. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be able to do that and, yeah, it's um, it's a different – that's a different mindset than doing the 30 k's. You've got to dig real deep because you have moments, you know, 4 o'clock in the morning, the sun's coming up, people are just getting home from nightclubs and they're walking past you and spilling fucking McDonald's on you. And, yeah. You know, you're, <laughs> you're, going to, you're going to McDonald's there at Burley and – at four o'clock in the morning to grab it, yeah, you might grab a, you know, a hash brown or yeah. something, and yeah, there's people walking around with their shoes around their <laughs> on their shoulders because they, you know, just getting home. But yeah, it's a different mindset. It's a that's a real that's a yeah that you got to dig real deep. It's a grind, isn't it's it? A, it's a grind because you chafe your blisters. Are you um, doing that on your own, or is that like yeah? I'll do it. I put I put it out on my social media that I'm doing it and. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have said yeah they'll come and join me. Whether they do, like a lot of people said they join me on my cans of gold coast walk but didn't yeah yeah um but i don't know you want to throw under the bus right now no <laughs> ben, uh, no but, um, yeah it's it's you know it, it, that's a that's a real that's a real real digging deep into yeah you know your mindset and you've got to get it done even even though you yeah you, know, you talk to people say hey, i'm doing a 24-hour walk now you're only walking you yeah, will come join me yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah so yeah but yeah it's it's just these little things that you want to and that's what you think you'll do now, like moving forward in the future. You'll set little milestones and goals. Yeah, I'm, I'm doing thinking, stuff. Or? I'm thinking of, uh, and I'm, it's only a thought, and it's not like the thought that I had. And I told people that I was going to walk from Cairns to Gold Coast, but I'm, I'm seriously considering whether I do it or not. I haven't made up my mind. I really haven't made this up. And you know, I want to walk from um, Gold Coast to Melbourne next year, mm-hmm. um, and then we'd look at walking from. Melbourne to Adelaide, Adelaide to Perth, Perth to Broome, Broome to Darwin, Darwin back to Cairns, and doing it every year. Yeah. So, if that was the case, and we decided to do it, and my body um, you holds know, up, holds up over the next five years, I could say that I've walked around Australia. Yeah, just to clarify, so you do one leg each year. Each, each and then, year. Yeah, yeah, that's massive. Which yeah, that's f- cool. Fucking rad. Yeah, that'd be a mad thing. I got, I got one for you, which is, which is one I've probably thought about doing, and obviously nowhere near the magnitude. We wanted to walk one end of Fraser to the other. Up yeah. the middle, and I think it's it's 131 k's or whatever. Do yeah, that you over. Can do that, and he, that's that's all that's all soft stuff. Yeah, too. So, so it's hard, yacker. Yeah. So you probably look at doing that in four or five days. You, you we're, yeah, thinking that long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be a challenge, mate. Well, hey, we're probably uh, we're probably starting to get towards the end. I do want to ask you a footy question though, and I won't I won't um, I won't pour it too much on your nephew, even though he's he's going great guns. But uh, obviously, coming from the old front rows club. Who's who's the best front rower you've ever played with? Oh, uh, you you probably have to say Adrian Morley, Shane Wilkie. Um, best forward, Gordon Tallis, because he was brutal. He was he was one of those blokes, especially when I was a young kid. Um, yeah, you know, you'd look. It's like it's, he was like taking your big brother to the playground. Yeah, you know, the other kids wouldn't pick on you because they'd have to deal with your big brother. Mm. And that was that's the same sort of mindset that you had when you, yeah, you know, two minute bell would go. You're playing against you know, the Sydney Roosters, you know, that a brutal forward pack, and then you look around and you see Gordon, his eyes would roll back in his head and you go, right, we're right today because we've got the big brother looking after us. But, yeah, Petro was another one. They're, yeah. they're, they're three blokes to just to get right now, Petro, Webby and, and Adrian Moy. He's a heck of a good fella too, Petro. Oh, but I think we're just getting on Gordon. I think he still does that now, doesn't he, when he oh, walks in a room, mate? I think he still scares yeah. people. That's one reason, another reason why I'm not drinking around. <laughs> I don't want him to turn on me. <laughs> Well, if uh, before we do wrap it up, it, you know, we, we talked about the message you would have given to your younger self. Have you got a message for you know, 
young men or women out there that might be doing it tough and, and any suggestions to them to what they should do? Yeah, I've, I've probably got two suggestions. Um, get your routine right. And in that routine that you're going to get right, make sure you include exercise. Um, and the second one is it's okay to talk about your problems to you know, someone that you're confident with. And if you're not com- confident with anyone, go find, go outsource someone that can give you a hand professionally. Um, they're, for me, they're the three, they're the two biggest things, mm. um, especially the routine and exercise. That's a massive one for me because I, I train in the morning and I release those endorphins and you, it's amazing your mindset changes mm. from just waking up and starting your day by going to work. Mm. It's um, it's how come you see so many people out there running and exercising is because they're not they're not doing it because you know it's a chore. They're doing it because it changes your mindset and it releases those chemical imbalances in your head. That mm. and my dad's the same. My dad trains every morning. I know that if he doesn't train, he becomes a cranky old bastard. So um, <laughs> we nearly we actually we nearly come toe we nearly went toe to toe on the walk. It was right at the end, and he just got pissed off with me and fuck, I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> I could have, I could have snapped him, but I still shouldn't. So I respect the man so much. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's that. That's your big one. And off the back of having routine with exercise, everything else sort of falls into place. Yeah, cool, good stuff. We might uh, wrap it up. Mm. Beautiful, mate. Thanks very much for having me, boys. Yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you. Cheers, mate. Thank you. Awesome. And yeah, don't uh, don't forget to head over to Spotify, guys. Head Noise Official. Give us a follow and also. Give us a shout out on on our socials. Or if you want to download the app of Fun My Challenge, um, there's some really, really good challenges on there. Um, Some real people um, with some real problems and they want to better their situation. So www.funmychallenge is the the web. And then you can go onto Google Play and Apple Store to download the app. Awesome. Well, we'll throw those links up on the socials as well. I think so too. Beautiful. Beautiful. Awesome. If you've liked this episode, please remember to follow our socials to receive notifications of new episodes and to see who we have coming on in the future. If you'd like to support the channel, you can head to the Head Noise official Patreon page to support our journey. That's www.patreon.com forward slash headnoiseofficial. On Patreon, we can let our fans become active participants in the work we love by offering monthly membership based on whatever price you feel comfortable paying. Any support is muchly appreciated and we thank everyone for their support.